0: water in his veins. I couldn't think of a better place to end the street. It doesn't valley, South Carolina, baby. God's going down, guys stepping up. That's what football is all about.
1: And they say we can't do it. What they say now?
2: it's one thing not to agree. You have alleged that they you basically said they
1: wanted to forfeit the game.
0: Could you go ahead didn't say I didn't say, that. I didn't say by they by I I didn't say they wanted to forfeit the game. Y'all y'all don't listen. I didn't say they wanted to forfeit the game. I said it should be a forfeit. I didn't say they wanted to forfeit. Big difference.
1: Welcome back to the Clemson podcast. The college football media world apparently cares about student safety on campus, unless that campus is LSU. Clemson is seven and one and life is good. Welcome back everyone. I'm your host, Nick, joined by Ben and Cody. We're here to recap the Florida State game and look ahead to Pitt and really talk about the first college football playoff rankings, which came out tonight. Guys, what a game down there in Tallahassee.
2: Yeah, you know what? We came out um, just like we thought after the, the Notre Dame game, that that tough loss that we,
0: you know, scared Florida State so much, they didn't, didn't even show up. They didn't even show up. In and, 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 and honest, we no, made their honesty. asses quit. <laughs> In all honesty, this this recap will probably be more interesting and, and probably we're more interested in what we're going to talk about than, than had we played the game itself. So,
2: That's a good point. I am more excited just to talk to you guys about nothing in particular than actually recap a Florida State game where we would have blown them out anyways. I think you're right, although, I mean – He's going to put it in a nutshell. Trevor looked great in his first game back. The offensive line really started to get a push ETN went for 250 yards. The defense fully healthy. Tyler Davis was a monster in the middle, really shut them down. Okay.
1: I mean, you guys say that. And I, I, I know where you're coming from, Cody, and I want to agree with you. That said, like Justin Fields had a terrible week. I think it would have been an opportunity for Trevor to really show out on the national stage. And probably ETN to bounce back a little bit. I mean, you know, there, there's, there's real reasons why it, it sucked to not have Clemson play a game on Saturday. And um, I think for all the fans, we still got a bad taste in our mouth from Notre Dame that has now lingered like a, you know, like a fart. So it's, it's uh, it, it, yeah, it sucked bottom line. Well,
0: and, well to, um, to put all that aside though, you know, it, it, we did we did need like a warm-up game, what's called it. it's been three weeks, but we also have a ton of injuries. So if we're just looking at it and we're just trying to be pragmatic, it actually might have been okay that we didn't play this weekend because we ha- we really need to get some guys to get help.
2: Yeah. Well, when I asked you guys this question, um, you know, just via text message leading up to the game, is even though even if Tyler Davis is healthy, do you even play him in this game? Give him another week to rest. So yeah, yeah, I mean, had we played, would you have played them in this game thinking that, you know, we're going to – Florida State has like four freshman offensive linemen. They're in shambles on offense and defense.
1: Yeah, you don't need to play Tyler Davis to win this game. Right. Yeah, I think getting, getting him one game ahead of Notre Dame, you know, if we can just wave the magic wand and have him be healthy, you'd like to see him play that Virginia Tech game probably, then have a bye week, and then go into Notre Dame with a little bit of the rust knocked off, but – I think, like, we don't know what his health status is. Um, I, just, I don't know. We, we use the the phrasing, let's put the guy in bubble wrap in a hyperbaric chamber for the next month, you know, until, until Notre Dame.
2: Well, I think with him more than anything is, is – you're worried about his conditioning, right? Um, him in particular, yeah. that position at that, that weight. Um, so that's where an extra game certainly could help. But a guy like Trevor Lawrence, like, do you really – are you really worried about him missing a few weeks, taking a few weeks off and coming out rusty? I'm not. Yeah, I think so of my comment. If he right. does, have you seen the guy on the second string?
1: Yeah, we're fine at QB. Um, I just think from like a Heisman perspective would have been cool. To have Trevor Lawrence get that, that get that game, get those reps. Cause now he's missed two games. This would be a third game. Unlikely we're going to make that up against FSU.
0: So who is the front, uh, front runner for Heisman? Then would that be Mac Jones and like a runaway?
1: I feel like Najee Harris might be yeah. might be right there. Um, somebody, I don't know. I mean, somebody I, from Alabama, someone from Alabama's offense, and I look like Trevor Lawrence is right there. He could come out and show out in Clemson's potentially two remaining games, and the Heisman vote will be it's after made the ACC. after yeah we'll yeah. get the championship game in too before that happens. So. Um, and again, I, I think absolutely. that might be his
2: opportunity. Um, he obviously has to play well over these next two or three games. If we get a third regular season game in, but think about that. Think about the storyline. He missed the Notre Dame game the first time due to COVID. Uh, we have this epic game with Notre Dame. DJ plays phenomenal losing double overtime. And then Trevor comes back for the ACC championship game, having played well the previous two or three games coming back from COVID and just goes for 500 yards. 400 to 500 yards to the air against Notre Dame. And then the Heisman vote happens next week.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and he had a very dominant season prior to being out for COVID. And- two, two
2: interceptions, the same right. as
1: Justin Fields, and Justin's only played, what, five games? Fields, Fields had three against Indiana. Oh, yeah, he had three in that game.
0: And, right. I, and I think I actually think that the media is rooting for Trevor Lawrence. I think everyone wants him to yeah. be the, the guy. And I mean, even like with Deshaun, it's not that they didn't like Deshaun, it was just that everyone like Lamar Jackson was the shiny object. And Trevor Lawrence, it's like in a in a in a year where there's nothing normal, it's like this guy should be the like there's no reason this guy shouldn't be the Heisman favorite. He's Tim Tebow and then some. Like we want this guy to be to get the trophy. So anyhow, I think at least he has that on his side. And then you mentioned like like Tyler Davis, you know, dealing with his weight, like like you know, a guy of that size. We, we literally we have three games. We're down to our last life. If, if something else happens, I really do. I think it's concerning because we don't have that much time to figure things out.
1: Yeah, I, beyond kind of racking up stats for TL for the Heisman too, there are a lot of other things to work out. And Cody, you and I did a recap of the Notre Dame game, caught up with QT last week. Like There's still kind of chinks in the armor that we talked about that you want to see Clemson get reps. And there really is nothing like – real game experience. Yes, against the Moribund Florida State team, but what about Frank Lassen? What about the boundary receiving core? What about the offensive line trying to rotate new guys in and get those guys reps? But we haven't necessarily
2: lost the game yet. We still have an opportunity to make that one up. Like it may happen. I think the bigger concern that we're talking about here is two weeks off in between and having some of these guys haven't played in a while, kind of coming in and shaking off the rust. Um, And that would have been much easier against a Florida State team, right? There's more margin for error against Florida State than there is going into Pittsburgh or against Pittsburgh this week and then going to Bladsburg Virginia Tech and then an ACC championship game two weeks after that. So I think that's the the difference. But, again, we haven't lost that extra game yet. I'm not too worried about the season moving forward.
1: Yeah, that's fair. Um, Let me ask you guys, should Clemson try to make that Florida State game happen on the 12th?
2: if they come to Clemson, if it's, well, in here, I think Dabo uh, or somebody made the case that today might've been Dabo at his press conference um, or actually maybe on Tiger Illustrated. If we don't need that game, like because of the way the tiebreaker sets up, it doesn't matter what Miami does. As long as we're within one game um, of them, as long as we went out or in the ACC championship game, so if you get to that week prior to December 12th what's seven minus that, the fifth, and we win that game and we know that we're in, why play Florida State?
0: So Ben, just to clarify, for the layman fan, we could play one less game than, than Miami. And right. so our win, win percentages would favor Miami, but that would be irrelevant because we won the head-to-head. Is as, long, as long as you're only one game less,
2: correct? If, if we were and two if games, less games less than them?
0: Yeah, and it's not even less than Miami.
1: It's less than the average played in the S in the ACC. So, which you, you're going to assume what it's it's an 11 game schedule, a 10 game conference schedule. As long as Clemson gets the the nine conference games in, and we're one with one closer to the average.
2: Right. So there's that. I mean, that's one reason for that we may not play them, but also another reason why we haven't actually rescheduled the game yet is because. Um, If we have to postpone against uh, Pittsburgh or Virginia Tech for any reason, obviously would be COVID-related, then you would want to schedule one of those two teams as opposed to Florida State. So there's a reason for holding off on all of it. I think ultimately it's very unlikely that we actually play Florida State this year.
0: And that's what Florida State wanted all along, right? They're getting their wish. Not, Not to bury the lead, guys, but I think we buried the lead here. Yeah, we
1: definitely did. I mean, Ben, you make, I like your, I like the case that we may not even need that. So why even bother take the bye week. Like I know that, da- like let's, we can dive into it. What are the reasons is pissed? Everyone was pissed that we got to three hours before the game or two hours before the game and it wasn't played hundred percent team traveled, huge disruptive ordeal. Also, I'm sure Dabo wanted to, you know, they had some stuff for Florida State, and we 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 do still compete against them in recruiting. Um, I think also what we referenced earlier, getting guys reps. But I think Dabo wanted that bye week before Notre Dame, and that's part of the reason he's been pissed. Oh, the bye week that we had bef- to go. Before yeah, that we Notre that Dame. we would have had before right. Notre Dame on December twelfth. Like, I think that was like he's like, great, we got to right. make this up now, you know, in order to yeah. yeah
2: just- I would I would even look that too much into it. Like, I think it's just practicing all week your film study your focus scheming for those guys getting on the the bus to the airport getting in the plane to travel all the tents and everything they had set up down there the nine buses like there's a lot of coordination that goes into all of that and to get there and day of the game morning of the game then be told after you followed every single protocol that has been laid out and agreed upon that similar situations have happened within the league earlier this year. No games got canceled. This is the first time for that.
0: Yeah. Could be like you learned something about Dabo this week, if you didn't already know it. And for one, he does do the all shucks thing a lot. It's a lot of coach speak. It's a lot of, and it's, it's. Bryn, you were saying before we came on air, it's like, I need to start listening to Dabo Sweeney's press conferences. And I said, you don't need to do that because you're not going to learn a lot. But in this last week, it was it was something he was raw. And like like you said, there's nothing to glean from why Dabo's mad aside from what he's saying. I I think he's just being very raw and to the point. And it reminds you, and David Hood's written a lot about this kind of off-thread in like the underground world, Facebook and uh in Tiger like comment boards. But he's like, you know, Dabo's a smart guy, he he's very he knows what he's doing. And like, if you didn't know it, if you forgot it, he's not an all shucks, you know, dumb southerner. He's, he's a smart you know, guy, very smart. Well, if you saw the press conference today, um,
2: one of the reporters asked the question, he's like, he, well, he first started saying, so Dabby, you mentioned that Florida state wanted to, uh, they did this because they wanted to forfeit the game. He's like, no, no, no. I didn't say that. He's like, I said they should forfeit the game because of that. Yeah. I didn't say they wanted to, and that's where it gets spun up in the media, right? The initial reports that come out saying that we put a guy on a plane knowing that he was COVID positive or had symptoms—like it's
1: all BS. Well, let me ask you, Cody. Going back to your comment about, well, Ben, let me address that last point. Like less than ten percent of today's press conference was Florida State related. He was only—he didn't come right out guns blazing and say i've been i've been, not. yeah i've been the coach here 12 years i've been here 18 years they've cycled through three coaches in four years no he came Is out that, saying we're
2: focused on Pitt.
1: yeah they asked the question so he, was, he was responding to the you know the questions he was given i do think that line was very rehearsed like i you know i watched Dabo deliver that well i think he and you've seen I that before he knew, yeah. i think he knew he was going to say that i guess cody going back to your your comment i agree Dabo's smart he 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 manipulates the media for what he wants what he wants. And generally that is to motivate his team and send a message about his program, probably to prospective future players and their families and their, and their current coaches. Um, what, what about this week? Like, are you, are you saying like his, his behavior, his approach, like is still in that category of dabba's is really smart guy. And if so,
0: like smart, how, and like to what end well, part of it is the, what would you say? The brevity with which he speaks. Like he, he was very he's very to the point more so than he, direct. he very yeah. direct. And you were like, Whoa, he stepped outside of Dabo all shucks for a second. And you're like, Oh yeah, this is the guy that has an MBA. He know, Yeah. Oh yeah. This is the guy that's a CEO and the best coach in America. I get it. But That's part of it. Yeah. The other part is like there is still a calculated part of this. One of it's he's like, I'm mad about this because we had players family traveling all the way to Tallahassee. We spent 300 grand in a year that, where resources are, you know, are very uh, scarce and they canceled for reasons that, you know, we all here know, and anyone that's in the Clemson circle knows why they canceled the game. It wasn't because of COVID. Um, so he's really pissed. So he has to think, how much do I actually like, let this, I, I let this be known how much of it's healthy. He has to really like calculate that and, and not let it become such a, such a distraction that it um, kind of takes away from the next opponent. So he, I think what he's doing is calculating. He's like, no, there's something that needs to be said. This was wrong. And here's, I'm going, to you know, I'm going to, I'm going to make it known that things that they they did things wrong and I'm going to give just enough and just a little jab at Florida state. And that jab obviously was three coaches in four years. I'm not going to take advice from Tallahassee, like golden, just freaking golden.
2: I I will say though. And yes, absolutely. Like he was, he was amazing. He handled it perfectly. And I love the fire that we saw. Um, but if you're going to, if somebody's asking the question or pose a statement like, "Hey, this is about player safety," and then he comes back and says it's not about COVID, maybe don't mention that you had people flying from across the country to come in for the game.
1: There's a yeah, little and, bit of PR tweaking that could be done there, but yeah, for sure. And I mean, you know, we had a text drive, the three of us heated over the weekend. Like, I think. Clemson was put in a position where our our coaching staff and program, or the the one we love and follow and talk about into a microphone, um, like doesn't care as much about player safety. And, you know, whether that's right or fair, and you almost like validate that criticism if you come right out and address it, like you don't wanna be reactive to these things. But I do think like there's been a little bit of burden on Clemson to showcase that or the opportunity from a PR game standpoint, to really clarify the protocols at Clemson and really clarify like all the things that we've done properly, you know, yes, there were, there was an outbreak earlier in the summer on, you know, within the program, within the football team. But since then it's been TL and nothing else. Like since this Friday positive test, which as of yet, I believe the Sunday results were that there were zero positives on the team. So it looks like right now that right. Friday was a false positive right. and look like it's talk about water under the bridge at this point, but, um, I don't know. Like, I think Clemson has potentially missed an opportunity to showcase, you know, the focus on player safety. The only reason I bring that up is like, this this is just negative recruiting mana from heaven for Ryan Day and Kirby Smart and everybody else. Like, don't send your kid to Clemson; they don't care about you. But and totally, like, look, that's complete crap. But I'm you, just telling you, like, that's how that's how the game's played.
0: I get the optics of it. And I get what Twitter's saying in this moment, woke Twitter. But I think I think ultimately that doesn't they don't carry as much weight. It feels like it's more um, significant in the moment with, when Twitter's and journalists, college football journalists are saying, wow, why didn't Dabo go over the protocols and, and, and say like COVID is, a, you know, it's our top priority, this, that, and the other. What he actually said, and I thought was just, was very reasonable was that I'm not a doctor. I, I, and he's like, I go to doctors, they, they tell me the protocol. And then we go above and beyond to follow the protocol. And he's like, that's, that's how much mine he pays to COVID. It's like, you tell me what to do. We'll do it. We'll be safe. I'm not going to pretend like I know. And he doesn't go up and he doesn't virtually signal about, you know, COVID is an amazingly, you know, whatever harmful disease. He doesn't say like, we care about it so, so much. And we just want to protect our players. He, he, he protect, he's been protecting his players and thinking of the, like thinking of them and putting their best interest, you know, in mind for what, 20 years now, 18 years, like. I don't know. Just, I, I don't know. Help well, me out, Ben. I'm kind of running well, out of words here.
2: Well, and at what point do you look defensive if you
1: start throwing all those things out and then the media gets on you about that? I think it's just like you refute that as a talking point and you don't have to you don't have to harp on it. You don't have to virtue signal. And then you're like, all right, eliminating that as an option here. What's left? It's the Florida State did not want to play us. Well, and I'm left I, with can no we, conclusion to draw. Can we, can we
2: also sure. qualify that statement and that and Dabo has mentioned this. It's been reported on Tiger Illustrated. It's not that Mike Norvell and his football team did not want to play us. This was based in as far as everybody has said or that we know this was based in their medical advisors and their administration. Dabo has said he does not think that mike norvell and their players did not want to play he says he would have been surprised if they weren't up and ready to play that game so i, th- he I think gave we gave them an out well not he didn't just give, but it was also reported before that and nothing ever came from the work the, the no words ever came from the mouth of mike norvell uh anything to the contrary and he's having to come out too and yeah when you got Dabo, the the you know, premier coach in the country, the best, obviously, in the ACC, and you're trying to build a program at Florida State. Do you just take it sitting, lying down, what Dabo's saying? No. Like, he's going to speak up for his team, too. So there's no evidence to prove that it had anything to do with Mike Norvell not wanting to call the game. Now maybe there was something behind the scenes, and it was like, hey, if something comes up, give us any out we have. But I have a hard time believing that a football coach and his team – Preparing all week for a game is just going to be like, not we quit over something like this.
0: And and by the way, I'm I'm a guy that like when I hear something that's fishy, I like to just let me pick through every fact right. I can find, and and I and I start doing that, and you realize there's this gray area, and, and now there's this part of me that's it's kind of like the, the the guy that just goes with his gut sometimes, and I'm like, it's not fact based. But it's like, yeah, they're they're full of crap. They just didn't want to play this game. And That's kind of where I've landed, and you guys can convince me otherwise, but that's just kind of how I feel. And when I say they. I guess I'm talking about the administration. I don't know, it, you know. The, what does that mean? That's a word. Well, well that's a the word.
1: That's like a. That's like a.
0: The boosters in the network, and and they Mike, don't want to see their team getting the president. president. Mike. No, a, okay.
2: Mike Norvell knows better than anybody at that university that you do not want to piss off Dabo like that, and you don't want to show weakness when you go in there with a football team. Like he's not going to call a game. Like I cannot imagine in my wildest dreams that he was involved in any strategy to get out of that game because they were going to get their ass kicked.
1: Yeah. Well, one thing's for sure. Like Florida state administratively is a mess and has been a mess. And I want to call it an article. Everyone should go read. I know we're sick of Florida state right now, but when everyone cools off, go read David Hale's article on the last really reference since the Jimbo years up till present, how dysfunctional Florida state's university administration, athletic department, and coaching staff back to the Jimbo years. And I, I, I have kind of like a newfound, I don't want to call it respect or admiration, but understanding of how Jimbo's exit went down and happened after having read that. And yeah, it's, they're not in lockstep the way that, you know, Clements, DRAD, and Dabo are at Clemson. And made me thankful reading through that for how, how aligned and how kind of in lockstep um, Clemson's, you know, hierarchy is
0: agreed and and there's a lot there's a lot that probably Clemson fans don't follow closely but you're right there was an unraveling there with Jimbo Fisher and it was on on a lot of levels like from the, the culture to the infrastructure it was really snowballing and getting getting um getting away from them um so like they're, they're a basketball school now what's that they're yeah, a they are they now. become a basketball school right they took a, I think a, a duke ad right um but you talk about the administration, what I think that is. And again, this is me being a fan. I'm not a journalist. Um, the administration is not necessarily the administration that is dysfunctional itself. It's, it's the boosters that, that, that fund the university. And they know when Clemson comes to town and they beat us 60 to, to, to 7 or whatever, like, they're going to be less likely to give money. Like, it, and that, I think that and when, when Tyler Davis and, and, uh, and, and Putnam, Will Putnam were recruits just two years ago, like we swept them right away from Florida State. That would have never happened, you know, just five years ago. Like there's there's consequences for Clemson coming into Tallahassee and beating your ass sixty to seven, and that that's the loss of recruits, and it's just the bad uh, the bad PR from that. So you can't. That's the administration totally. It's the oh yeah. The, the oh, I, I understand why
1: why not to want to play us. Like I completely get the the drive and the motivation. Um, I'm just saying if there was any degree of man, let's find a way out of this game. I refuse to believe Norvell didn't have some hand in that, I guess.
2: I, God, he knows that if he pulls that shit the morning of the game, what he has to deal with, like, he's going to have a hard enough time keeping his job over the next three to four years at Florida State. You want to piss off Dabo Sweeney?
1: Yeah. Like, how many Seems coaches has he gotten
2: fired just by – I just <laughs> – I have a hard time believing that he had anything to do with that like as a competitor, if he did have anything to do with that, then you got the wrong football coach.
1: So guys, we haven't mentioned, I think, the party in this fiasco that, um, in my mind, allowed this thing to happen, allowed it to fester, and has since done nothing to move everyone past it. And that's really the ACC. And, you know, when you're facing down a pandemic with a lot of uncertainty, I think early on in the season when decisions were made to resume football – I think they were probably right to not overbake the rules. We've seen the Big 10 overbake the rules a little bit, and probably the Pac-12 also, um, to their own detriment of the season. And you know, the ACC basically left it up to the member institutions to a little, more or less have the final say in um, protocols and pulling off a game week to week. But having a little bit more like as the season unfolded, we've had a lot of cancellations, postponements and all that in the ACC. I think providing more guidance and more like as things happened, we learned a lot, we being the collective, you know, could they have provided a little bit more guidance here around how to handle positive, you know, symptomatic players during the week and, you know, having recommendations for schools and teams, like, I don't know, is there, is there any way that the league should be culpable for what went down here in your guys' mind?
2: So at, um, this could be a terrible pun and it's completely unintended, but with, a uh, out of any year, hindsight being 2020 is relevant now no, more than yeah. others, right? Yeah, yeah. We, we went into I'm this. Laughing at the pun. That's right. Um, you know, we've gone into this where nobody has dealt with anything like this. And I think, honestly, yes, there have been mistakes and wrong calls and stuff like that. But, you know, at the end of the day, at least we've been playing football. you got to give the ACC and the SEC credit for that, right? Get everybody out on the football field. And for the most part, everybody's been healthy, and of course, they didn't get it right the first time. Hell, we've been playing college football for 100, you know, 30 years. Things still aren't right, right? Things are ever changing. So, for the first year of something like this to happen, the fact that we actually fielded teams and have a season that's lasted this long, you got to give them credit.
0: Yeah, I and I hate, I hate this. Like, I think I've heard someone say in California because we all live in California. If you're a first time listener. And we're shutting down our, our state constantly. And someone said, "Well, there's there's a curfew at ten o'clock." And someone said, "There's symbology in that. It's like it's symbolic." Symbolism. That would, what's that? Symbolism.
1: symbolism.
0: Yeah. yeah. So symbolism in that you would have a curfew. Like it, you're saying, so you're not working with you're not dealing with facts. You're just working with symbolism essentially to so just, the the appearance of that you're doing something. So all that to say, what's the ACC gonna do? Like really, they, they have to work in the world of being symbolic and, and the optics of it. And like, what are they going to say? Yeah. Like, yeah. Tallahassee, Florida state, they really just chumped out. They, they were afraid to play Clemson. Like what they they have to back, they have to back anyone that can, can go with the narrative of player safety. And we all, I mean, we all know what this is and we all know the the impact of it. Like it, we all know the fatality rates, like it's, it's, it's it's negligible. And I, I mean, I'm, uh, well, I'm, I'm sick of it, if you can't tell from my, my vantage point. I'm sick of it too, Cody. Uh, we might have a, a guy on this <laughs> podcast and, and that has COVID right now and is in perfect health. I guess what
1: I'm saying, though, is like, if you guys feel like they their hand is being forced toward the side of player safety, why then not provide updated
2: well, recommendations
1: to teams to say, here's how you should... Here's how the league will and should approach symptomatic players during a, a football week, and set out the guidelines. Well, they, Why they is have, that not being?
0: I think well, they had those. They guidelines have those. those. Totally. Yeah, I, they is do, that, but
1: not up to not up to the not up to like the extent of which what happened to Clemson, where well, I, okay, what it, like what it comes
2: down to the final the final thing is what it comes down to is that if any one school's medical personnel decides that they should not play, if anybody's going to be compromised, then that final word goes on them, no questions asked. And that's what happened.
1: Okay. What about the final third-party test happening before travel happens? Like, that feels like something that could be adjusted. Like, that basically gave Florida State the out, right?
0: Yeah, but according to the protocols, and that's what Dabo said, like, repeatedly, was that they take the test. They don't know the results. They're already on the road, so players are commingling, but they, they all also have isolated double- position groups. We should point that out. They did isolate position groups. Meaning,
1: so like, iso- separate.
2: Yeah, and that was part of Florida State's problem, is they they were short uh, on the defensive line, I think, too, for some issues, and they were about the offensive line, but those position groups are isolated. But to keep going. There's other Safeguards, yeah, so, yeah. You
0: guys might know more about that than I do, but yeah, there, there's there's they have double mask on and they're and they're separated on the on both the airplane, including that player that was showing symptoms, was separate on the airplane and then on the bus ride. And then I think all players now have separate hotel rooms, or is it just the, the you know, select that player that was a that was symptomatic and but. They're, I don't know about the hotel. And like he
1: wasn't, he wasn't symptomatic when he was traveling either. That's like right. another point we should yeah, clarify yeah, was, before he, he stopped symptom- blow up our comments. Yeah,
2: he didn't have symptoms since Monday. Like Monday was his last day Did of symptoms. Yeah, but who, it was, who came it up was with little, this? It was light symptoms. It was symptoms of any other
0: thing. Right, it could be allergies. And who came up with those protocols for traveling? It wasn't Dabo Sweeney. It was medical professionals. Those were the ones in the league were, and the presidents and the ADs. Yeah, because so, they they accounted for that. They were like, "What if you do test on Friday afternoon positive, but we don't know until you've already traveled? You know, down the road to Tallahassee. You've been on a plane and a bus. Well, what do we do then? Well, here's what you should do according to the medical professionals. And Clemson followed those protocols. Again, Dabo runs a very tight ship. He's not a doctor. He's never claimed to be, but he said, I will follow the rules. The doctors tell me that seems like that's what happened.
2: And I think that's the big gripe. I mean, listen, we can rehash this over and over again and we're not trying to make light of the the virus itself and all of that, but all protocols are followed. Dabo mentioned it. It's like, we decided we're going to trust the test. If you don't trust the test, then why are you playing football? Why are you even playing this year participating um, if we're not abiding by those? And, you know,
1: yeah. Here we are. Yeah. So So I I think what's also been missing from the ACC, though, is number one, like tell the teams to cool it and like let's move on. They also haven't made a – I think Clemson fans are looking for the ACC to come in and be like Florida State has to forfeit that game or call it a no contest so that Clemson could reschedule if they wanted to. And I think the ACC is doing, Ben, probably what you suggested Clemson is doing and is like – we're going to bide our time to see if there are more cancellations coming up. And, but a statement would be welcomed. And I think it's overdue of some type, even if it's just posturing,
2: you know, what had they, they had ever, op- every opportunity Florida state did to allow Clemson more tests play Saturday night, Sunday, Monday, Clemson was going to stay there for that. They were all good. Florida state denied all of that.
1: And Clemson immediately hightailed it to their board. That was their opportunity yeah so that,
0: does that not like speak volumes because i mean i know this is it's still early on test there, everybody yeah if the tests come back uh,
2: yeah. negative in the next day you're good to go right
0: because it had the the look of a false positive in the first place so if he if he tests twice in a row as, as negative that would be pretty convincing and everyone else tests negative it just i mean it, it makes no sense and
1: anyhow, yeah that's t- what that that's definitely the thing cody that that's, that's the point to me that makes it feel like they wanted no smoke.
0: Right. So totally. One thing I want to ask you because you're, you're more involved in the Twitter woke sphere. Like there, there is is I'm sure there's a good argument to be made that like against Dabo or may, maybe there's not a good argument. I don't know, but can you outline that because a lot of people that don't stay on Twitter, like there's a lot of Clemson hate right now, maybe a lot of reasons for that. But I mean, can you give the most charitable kind of position of that?
1: I'll try. I mean, you know, not. I am certainly not speaking, I'm gonna have to like generalize in a few different ways here. Um, maybe, maybe I'll go with what are the top three things people that are Dabo haters hate about Dabo? Can we start with that? Maybe that'll help, Cody. So I think number one, like they don't believe that anyone can be that genuinely like upbeat, religious, and genuinely religious, not just religious, putting on fr- a front to have an image for recruits, but like genuinely that religious. I think that's a big part of it. Um, and just like they think he's phony, so I, I'll just call that like one aspect of gated, hater aid of Dabo. I think number two, and this maybe you know this this maybe goes into into your belief of this specific topic or issue. Some of his past comments about um, Colin Kaepernick's protest. You know, I think a lot of people back in 2016 might remember um, Dabo's comments there. If you're going to protest during the national anthem, those people should find a different country. Uh, That kind of stuff is just kind of snowballed and also player sort of empowerment, pay the players or let the players have name and image and likeness rights, players to have agency, that sort of thing. Dabo's comments in the past have always kind of swayed toward not empowering players in people's minds. So like there's a little bit of an aggregation of that. And then obviously well, I'm not mentioning.
2: They're not progressive takes and he's a traditionalist as a person, right? And totally fair. Wrong way.
1: Well, right. And, and look, like someone that Clemson fans at, at some points have hated, but I think understands Dabo the most of anybody. And I love when he speaks about Dabo because he gets him. David Hale from ESPN has talked a little bit about, and this was sort of over in the early days of COVID. I'm sorry. In the early days of the definitely not COVID in the Black Lives Matter, um, sort of uh, protests that were happening over the summer, um, around June, I want to say, like, just explain Dabo's upbringing and background and how, you know, maybe where sort of some of Dabo's comments are coming from. And I'm not going to paraphrase here, I'm going to do a terrible job at it. And it would undermine like how good of a comments David, David Hale had. Um, But anyway, Cody, like, I don't know, like, yeah, it's not progressive takes. And, a lot of the Twitterati of college football pretty much are liberals or progressives. So they'll look at that and they're like, Dabo is kind of like this easy punching bag against their viewpoints and ethos. And um, to be honest, like there's also, there are a lot of genuinely bad people that are prominent football coaches or that, you know, are are genuinely, I think you, you know,
0: yeah, if Hugh
1: you're going yeah, to critique someone like genuinely point to certain people and, Direct it there, not necessarily at Dabo, and you know I think that's what a lot of Clemson fans See, take issue with. Are we doing the same thing? They
2: are calling out Hugh Freeze. It's also opportunities for redemption. I just want to point that out.
1: Well, I think oh, Hugh Freeze he, is is the poster child of fake religiosity.
0: Yeah, he. Yeah, exactly. Like, like Jerry Falwell.
1: Well, <laughs> <laughs> sure, but uh, yeah, Hugh Freeze like really preached preach that approach and then like is has burner phones with setting up hookers for recruits right pretty sure that's what got him fired from yeah. Ole Miss. sounds like a violation yeah anyway Cody yes like there so are I, coaches out there yeah
0: it sounds like you're saying like he's already coming up with just like this cumulative baggage that yes there's baggage that is-
1: that's built and like yeah you've got like trevor noah you guys remember soybean wind and like just there's cumulative baggage that anytime there's like the slightest thing like the Dabo haters come out of the woodwork and i gotta be honest a lot of them are georgia fans like it's like georgia fans are and it's you know it's they'll claim all these fans. other things <laughs> the the, no, hipster, he, the no, hipsters not. of college football yeah. georgia i'm not gonna i'm not gonna name names here but um you know it's like georgia people who have alliance or allegiance to like prominent football programs like oh there they go about dabo again kind of thing and but like neutral yeah
2: that's what the national media is in any facet of life right they're not connected like they just skim off the yeah, top let's, and get the big storylines like and so let's like we know now we have to also um think about it from the the other viewpoint and that we're also very biased but i think tully to your point i think a lot of what the journalism and is and the, the, when you just look at and have instant reactions, it's confirmation bias of what you want to believe.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, it, it's you
2: so spin the, story, you spend the right. story
1: to make it fit that narrative. Yeah, absolutely right. The other thing is, I mean, throughout the weekend, all people would read are single tweets or just headlines of posts. And you know, I didn't want to come on here and trash like Andrea Adelson from ESPN, but she early on in the Florida State Saga on Saturday was posting things about, like Clemson traveled a symptomatic player on Friday and like, you know, lo and behold, he tested positive, like definitely not true. Definitely not the case. And, you know, she rescinded a, or she had like a clarifying tweet, like Sunday morning. It's like, it's kind of like running like a headline on Monday morning and on the front page of the New York times and issuing a correction on the 36th page on Wednesday. Well, then ESPN, is why they're
2: laying off 3000 people a month?
1: Yeah. I don't know. I mean, bigger forces at play than jumping the gun on something but people just want to run with headlines it's confirmation bias you know it's, it's narrative based yeah it's, well, and it's, the, social, based it's and the
2: social media world we live in where you don't actually have to do any investigative reporting because headlines are just shooting at you on your twitter feed or your text messages or something like that you don't have to go out and do the research to create a story yeah.
1: well and then if you're wrong people is, just forget about it yeah. right because
2: the next thing is coming
1: well you know, all, all everything we said up to this point in this podcast, like, I agree with you guys. That being said, like, Dabo's taken the bait. He's definitely taken the bait a lot. And Cody, I don't necessarily know that I see where the smart play is in this too much. Like, there's a line. I know he hasn't crossed the line too much, but I just don't see the wisdom in, you know, feeding the trolls a little bit here. I, well,
0: I don't personally. think he's playing that game. I, I think if, if you, like, are complete completely ignorant of the trolls of, of Twitter – and, and then you can reconceptualize what he might be thinking in his mind I, I think he's I think he's thinking about his team and I, I think I think for one they're all upset family's upset they traveled he's he's playing call it the short game he's playing this season game um, to get his, his team fired up if you're trying to play the long game and think well that these woke journalists and Twitter and all this that have very left-wing uh, very much a left-wing bias like will uh, like actually you know have a about a negative image on the program then you you know there might be some validity to that but well and maybe he's being pretty cunning and
2: that you know over the summer he had to play a little bit to his uh liberal fan base by supporting the um the player empowerment movement and social quality movement and now he's playing to his um conservative fan base by (laughs) rallying against covid or maybe he's just being a goddamn football coach
0: yeah, you know? I mean, that's what I'm saying. That's and what just I think Being a like... normal
2: person is reacting to things that we're blowing everything up on both sides. Like we're overreacting to everything on both sides. And the media is the thing that fuels the fire. We're seeing it here. Now, let's not completely bash the media because they also have helped elevate Clemson in his stature awareness. Um, it is. It's just it's it's not individual people that we blame. They're doing this for nefarious reasons. This is just the, the times we live in.
1: And I just think, you know, Cody, it's not just about like the woke Twitterati CFB media, but like, and look, I don't care about this, but I think the bloom is off the rose on Clemson being the darling of college football for the neutral fan. And that comes when you have years of success. Like, I just remember like early on, it was a little bit of a novelty out in Alabama. And how soon was everyone just sick of Nick Saban and sick of Alabama Right. Like That was bound to happen to us. And I'm not here saying like Dabo needs to pander and make everybody like Clemson. Like, I'm absolutely not saying that. I'm just like, why? I don't know. Just, I don't know what, what there is to gain by continuing to like poke Florida state like three, four days in a row. I don't know. Maybe, it, maybe so. Like, like, me, like, has he not – he's defended his team. He did that on Saturday. He like did that he, on Sunday He's
2: always the guy looking for an edge.
0: He's always looking to create a narrative. I, yeah. He gives, gives his team an edge. And, and if he is, has to rally up the wokesters, he doesn't care. Hey, one thing One thing that's that, that came to mind, every, I think everyone saw the Michael Jordan documentary. I think more people watched that than the, the NBA finals. I couldn't help thinking about Dabo and, and Clemson's rise when I was watching how, how he started out, couldn't win the big one. Eventually did, and like his story, like just the guy coming up,
1: people to help him. What's that? Michael Jordan did. Couldn't do it on his own. (laughs) Had to get you know, Scotty Pippen, who's like. That's not where I was
0: going with that. Yeah, but he did have some. He did. He did bring along the right people along the way. But the, the main thing was like everyone loves the underdog, that the come up story and then once you get there they, they start to tear you down and the thing about michael jordan was he was very Im- imperfect he had a gambling issue he he partied probably too much like he had, he had he had some some skeletons
2: well but, imperfect or just a
0: human yeah you're right you're right he, he's just a human and and he wasn't you know not even the best of guys he's just a competitive guy that that great basketball player yeah
1: totally agree with you ben top 2 he's definitely top 2 <laughs>
0: okay <laughs> our our Clemson fan base is going to love a LeBron versus Michael Jordan uh, argument right now. But uh, his come up was amazing around 92 or 93. Like the media has just started just ripping and I'm like, wow, that's crazy that that you see these kind of cycles or these patterns that happen. And like the same thing's happening for Dabo. The caveat here is I feel like Dabo gets ripped for things that he's not guilty of. Like he's not woke enough or some shit. Like this is crazy. Um, Like, Michael Jordan did have his flaws. Like I mean, you're telling me that he's not a he's not empowering us players. Like, give me a break. And you guys yeah. know I'm not the Ra rah Clemson guy, but I'm I'm very much rah rah Dabo because I one thing I would love about this program and it really swept me up when he came along. You know, early in the right after you know my college days in 2010 he's really put a lot of investment to the players and get and, and bringing out the best in them, and there's a lot of initiatives and, and with this
2: program. That's always been my benchmark um, when all of this is I look at the reaction of the players and if the players have his back because those players are closer to him and know him more and know him better, them and their families, than any of us, media, anybody. Yeah, Fans, I feel like when it... And if they when have I, his back... If they have his back, all these phenomenal young men that have come to this program and represented the university that we graduated from so well, people don't know Clemson because we got a degree there. Like, nobody would know where – people still don't know where Clemson is. They still say North Carolina, right? Like, nobody would know Clemson otherwise. Like, the reason people know Clemson right now is because of our football program. And this football program and the players that come through – I think that is
0: your measuring stick and that's all we should have to worry about. All right. Re- rebuttal totally, or just uh, Michael Jordan defamation, whatever, what do you have?
1: No, I mean, I think anytime I read criticism of Dabo as it pertains to player empowerment, safety, or just, you know, their livelihood, like that's where I'm like, I look for the agenda for who's saying that just, you look at pod journey, you look at the graduation rate, you look at the family atmosphere and how he's brought guys back and brought guys back to coach, brought guys back, you know, throughout spring games and everything else. Like you got a Disney movie. <laughs> yeah. So like, again, that's where I'm just like, you got to, you're missing me with the Dabo criticism when it comes to that. Um, well now, D- now here's the deal. Dabo is a football coach. This is what he knows. He came, he grew up with that. He came from that. Dabo's takes on broader societal things. I'm not sure we need. I, I, I just don't think we need that. Like, why put the mic in front of him for those things? He and doesn't work mic in
2: front of him. Yeah, <laughs> just
1: that's where I'm like, that's where I'm. That's where I cringe a bit. Like every, you know, once a year or so, you just get like, oh man, I wish, wish we could just avoid this part.
0: It sounds like you're telling him to shut up and dribble, Tully. Whatever the equivalency or the equivalent of, of coaching is, you know what that. all those
2: all those societal. You should shut things. up. And like
0: LeBron should just go crazy on Twitter about all the societal things, but Dabo should shut up and dribble. But, right, right. but people are asking him those questions.
2: Like he's up there on that platform. He's not trying to talk. Well, about that was him. my
1: point. Like it wasn't. I don't want Dabo to say what Dabo feels in his heart. It's and he, stop fucking asking him these questions. Right. So
2: and listen, his players don't all believe in the same thing that he does. They don't all fall on the same uh, side of the political spectrum, the religious spectrum as he does, but they all love him, right? They all love him. And if you love those guys, then take their word for it. If they're upstanding human beings, take their word for it. Everybody in your family doesn't believe in the same thing you do. All your friend base right. doesn't believe in the same thing you do.
1: I mean, I, like the week leading up to the Clemson game was like a shit week. And then I was like, at least we get a Clemson game after a loss and two not great weeks. And then like, then we, then we have this, like, it's not good to get stressed about the thing that you, and look, like whether football is legit escapism or not, like it shouldn't necessarily be like, it's just as serious as everything else. But like, I don't know, it's, it was not great to have the thing we love is like your, your hobby or whatever, like cause stress for you. And I'm I'm fine having a stressful game that we lose or nearly lose, but this is I don't, is I, don't yeah, I don't want to be stressed about a game we don't play. Yeah, exactly.
0: So anyway, my my biggest I'm sorry, go ahead go, telly. No, you got. That's, my biggest thing about the like all of this is like when when Daba comes under fire. And it was back when the back the BLM stuff too like Yeah, like, he said his piece about Florida State. Maybe he overdid it, but when he comes under fire, like, that's when I get, like, I don't know. We have to stand up for the program and stand up for Dabo, even though I don't agree with a lot of what he says, too. what did he overdo, though? Did anything he say was false, not factual? No,
2: it's, I think it's just, no, you're right. You can't open your mouth because the media will take three out of the seven words you say and spin it into something else, and that's what they did.
1: Yeah, and that's and that's why I'm, like, he doesn't have to do it Four days in a row, he's it's sticking it's up for easy. his players,
2: and that's what I get back to. His players appreciate it. Screw everybody else. You think it'll hurt him in recruiting? Ryan dade's coaching decisions hurt <laughs> his
1: recruiting. Okay,
2: Dabo would be yeah. fine.
1: Yeah, I know it's all good. Let's move. Let's move past it. All right, we're moving off of Florida State. We should all count it as a win because we knew it would have been a blowout, but. Let's move on to something a little bit more upbeat. And that is the first college football playoff rankings that came out tonight. Clemson made it into the top four um, for really, I think now like the sixth season Uh, we, we landed on the first ranking of the season in the top four, which is great. I don't think that's a surprise. I think what is a surprise, probably for some, if you look at kind of where the polls have been. uh, So it was Alabama one, Notre Dame two, Clemson three, Ohio state four. A&M 5 and Florida 6. And are you guys surprised at all to see the committee put Clemson above Ohio State? I wasn't personally.
2: Not after their showing against Indiana, even though I think that's we're taking Indiana for granted a little bit because they came out of nowhere. They beat some teams, got down to Ohio State, they came back and made it a game. So I think Ohio State does have to be knocked back because of that because they clearly don't look as good as they did last year, but I think we also need to give Indiana more credit than they're
1: getting. Yeah, I think you're right about that. They're very well coached. I think they've got a good – they're they're hitting the right time with seniority on their team. So, yeah, Indiana's, Indiana's legit. Um, Big Ten's pretty barren other than that at this point. But, um, I mean, we, yeah, they, I, we,
2: we struggled against Syracuse. So – at least Ohio State beat a um top ten, top ten yeah. undefeated team by a touchdown.
0: And I almost feel like the the, the committee knows maybe they, they look at they're looking at our season in a more objective way than probably most Clemson fans because like we removed the last week and like we've we've been a pretty good team. We've had you know it hasn't been perfect, but we've been pretty good and we've dealt with a lot of injuries. And I think well, the, the committee's taken that into effect, maybe more so than the average Clemson fan. Well, and it
2: helps. You got to remember in past years when we lost Syracuse, whatever, three years ago, what we dropped to like five or six, maybe. And we we're like, oh, we will fine. We'll work it back up. When we lost to Pittsburgh. Um, everybody else lost the next day. And we were still like top four the next day. This time we lost to an undefeated team, a really good undefeated team.
1: Yeah. Well, like 11 injuries.
2: It's like if Alabama lost to Georgia, too. Right. How far do they fall yeah, that, I think that we, that we were getting respect. Notre Dame was getting respect and they should be like, yes, Notre Dame is not a championship worthy football team, but they're a hell of a lot better than the football team that we beat 31 to nothing. And that Alabama rolled over the national championship game six years ago, seven years ago.
1: You mean Notre Dame Yes, back in 2012? Yep. Yeah. Right. Yeah. For sure. That's right. And, um, and we beat them 30 to three. 31-0 is Ohio State. I mean, I, I would – now I, you had me thinking about calibrating the playoff teams and where would Notre Dame fit within, like, the teams we played from yesteryear. That's maybe an exercise that we'll do in the ACC championship preview, Ben. I like that thought. Um, but, yeah, no, I I want to get into kind of the where the committee landed, the various teams, and, you know, for everyone looking ahead, I think – We're very optimistic Clemson's going to get a chance to make it into the ACC championship game. If we were not clear earlier, barring Clemson missing two games, we only need to play one fewer games in Miami and we'll make it in, provided we don't lose again. So uh, yeah, Clemson, Notre Dame, so number two, number 3 we'll play. I think this scenario that, let's just break it down. Like, I think one of two scenarios is going to happen. Either two SEC schools make it in or two ACC schools make it in. I don't think you're going to have anyone from the Pac-12 rise up based on these rankings and based on what we've seen from USC and Oregon or Washington. And then I also don't see, I I think the Big 12 is eliminated. And barring BYU and Cincy literally playing each other, which may happen. They may find a way to schedule that, which would be amazing. Really want to see that happen. Um, Barring that happening, I just don't see a group of five team being able to move up enough. So get ready for either Notre Dame and Clemson to make it. I think that happens if Clemson beats ND close and they play a tight game. I don't think Notre Dame will far, fall too far down. If Clemson loses, we're out.
0: And Tully, can I ask you, because you follow some of these under the radar, uh, non-Power 5 teams a little bit more than us, are you surprised at how far BYU is? How far down? And like, what statement are they making by putting them starting there? It's, it's, it's a statement, right?
1: Unfortunately, I think it's a, I mean, it's, they got robbed and I think it's a commentary on their scheduling, but I'm like, what in the world do you want them to do? But I think it's, there's a method to the madness here. BYU is not a G5 school. They're an independent and it's like, join a conference. And it was a lot of the same stuff we said about Notre Dame. Like if Notre Dame had lost a game back in 2018, they wouldn't have had a conference title game to be able to, you know, go up against a highly, highly rated or at least competitive team for like a final data point, Notre Dame wouldn't have had that data point before joining the ACC and BYU is like that. So is this a little bit like Cincinnati, you're in a conference, you're going to get the chance to, you know, play a good team to to win your conference. We're going to give you the benefit of the doubt. And you've got, there's, there has to be a political angle to this too. Like, I'm sure that, that, you know, and again, like the American conference, their voice is not going to have that much sway with the committee as much as an ACC, you know, type of team or anybody else, but, I mean, the G5 is screwed and BYU is even more screwed, I guess is my takeaway, Cody.
2: They're also all 30.
1: Oh, the players? Doesn't I mean, they're,
2: well. yeah,
1: okay. it's their schedule though, right? Like if they, if they well, play they So,
2: since he, well, so BYU did have Army scheduled earlier, it got postponed. Still so have not remade, uh, made that one up yet. They would have been ranked at the time. And then, so the only difference is since he has played Army when they were 22 and they beat smu when they were 16 neither of those teams are ranked right now um so yes cincinnati has played two ranked teams when they were ranked at the time nonsense and they play yeah, a little SMU, bit schedule. smu
1: losing to tulsa screwed cincy because if smu had no clemson very- losing
2: to notre dame screwed cincy because had we beat yeah. notre dame beat them again they're out that was the the, the avenue for the for the group of five to yeah. drive down and get into the um, playoff. But now that we lost, if we get back in, now Notre Dame could beat us, and that leaves an open door if Texas A&M loses a game, Florida loses a game since it can get in. But are we going to lose one? Are we going to lose Notre Dame a second time? Probably not. So the irony is, as much as I was really pulling forward, rooting forward and thinking that this was the year the group of five team got in, it was Clemson that screwed them.
0: Yeah, I think what we've uh, learned is – the way you set up the, you know, the chess board or whatever is it, it, the first rankings that come out establish whatever baseline. And it's, it's always been like that, even with like college basketball, college football before however it stacks up in the beginning, you kind of work, you're, you're working your way through that the whole season. So I think they have so much of an uphill climb. And like, I think that's very intentional from the, from the the point of uh, the, the guys that are in the committee and then they, they've got three SEC teams ahead of them. Yeah, it's it's very. I mean, the, the ESPN headline well, reads, guys, no, no respect.
1: Would Cincy beat any of the teams ahead of them? Oh, I think they could beat Florida for sure.
0: I don't. You know, I don't know. I, I I that that's such a tough question. Here, here's the thing I think about is Oklahoma over the last five years. They've been the case study for the. They've been the 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 UFC or I'm sorry, the UCF because they played in a legitimate conference for year after year and they've destroyed their conference. That's better than any of the, these other non-power five teams. They come to the playoff almost every year and they get destroyed. And then we're like, why the heck would we want to let UCF in when Oklahoma can't even make it anything close to a game against Alabama. I'm Clemson? sick of
1: seeing Oklahoma bring on a G five. Like that. I mean,
0: well, and
2: that's what I'm saying for this year, right? Like we don't need to see, Okay, maybe if it's Alabama, Georgia in years past where both teams are really good, they go head to head during the regular season, have a great conference championship game. But right now, we're left with Florida and Texas AM. You know, Ohio State's going to get in. They win out for sure.
1: It comes to Notre Dame. That's the if though, Ben. Yeah, I wouldn't pencil. I mean, look, if Ohio State wins out,
2: they're in. They win the big 10 championship.
1: They will play enough games. I guess let me ask you, like, you know, 70% 70% chance they win all their games, 60%. Like, where are you on that? And, again, they played nobody else in the regular season. Well, they're gonna there play. might
2: be a 60% chance that they play all of their games. It's not about winning yeah. them. Like, do they actually get to play them? Yeah, and the committee well, they've said, like, we're going to take the best teams. Well, they've only got Illinois, Michigan State, and Michigan left. So we
1: are yeah, yeah, the not going to lose teams. those. They're going to take the best teams. It doesn't matter how many games they play, but you know, and look, Northwestern is probably going to win the big 10 West because they beat Wisconsin. So Wisconsin would have been a team that it's like, all right, they've got a promising stud redshirt freshman quarterback. You know, we always overhype their defense and their running game, but I don't know. Indiana might've laid out a little bit of a blueprint. I just don't know if there's a team on their schedule that can exploit them. So, yeah, it's probably going to be Ohio State. But it's anyway, the, the two outcomes, honestly, are like, let's assume Clemson wins the ACC title game. Do we win in a blowout or not? And I think that that's going to predicate whether uh, Notre Dame gets in or A&M. And then if Florida beats Alabama, you do you leave Alabama out? I don't know. Well, the good thing for Notre Dame
2: fans is even if they lose to us in a blowout, as long as they went out, they still have a very good chance of making it to the, uh, the college football playoff. Right. Um, just the, the amount of games they played, going undefeated uh, through the regular season. Yeah, and this North Carolina game, Clemson. This like, I don't care if we were missing Trevor. Like,
1: yeah. Well, UN, like, they got to get past, past UNC something. first, which they should. UNC's got a really awful defense. Stranger things have happened though, but uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting. But I agree, Cody, like this is all about setting up the chessboard to um, make the right moves and adjustments later. Um, but I think A&M is right there to, you know, take the spot of whatever team loses the ACC title game or, um, you know, sneak in if Florida moves up. I, that would be an interesting thing. Like, let's say Clemson blows Notre Dame out and the committee's like, look, Notre Dame, you're the first team left out. Um you you had you needed double overtime to beat Clemson's backup quarterback and a lot of backup defensive players, like you're out. Um would AM have a case for that like fourth spot?
0: Ooh, that and that's gonna be such a coin flip, right? And that's gonna be a team that wouldn't have played in their conference championship. I, I guess the last three games of the season do matter. This UNC game for Notre Dame matters and and what AM has left matters that style points will, will, may, may decide it. But I mean, yeah. I almost feel like, too, you, you might, you might see the brand name win out in this one, which is Notre Dame. So let yeah, me the set na- national brand.
2: Let me set yeah. up this scenario for you Alabama wins out, number one. Okay. Easy. I don't think about them anymore. Ohio mm-hmm. State wins out, too, but they're only eight and no at the end of the day because they've only got three games left on their schedule. Plus the Big Ten championship game. Okay, so you got Alabama at like 11, 12 and 0, Ohio State uh, 8 and 0. Notre Dame loses a very close game to Clemson. Both Clemson and Notre Dame making it into the playoff as the two and three teams. We get a third game Clemson Notre Dame.
1: Yeah, we were saying this earlier. Very, this very possible. Very possible. I would almost call it likely at this point that that yeah. is actually what plays out, that we win a 10 point seven to 10 point game against Notre Dame. And they're like, look, AM, your best win is what? Florida. Florida's now got two losses. Um, yeah, you lost to Bama, but you don't have a very impressive win relative to Notre Dame. But do we really
2: think that a Clemson-Notre Dame matchup with Clemson at full
1: strength is going to be a close Win for Clemson, seven to ten. I mean, the, Vegas had it at fourteen and a half.
0: If at you Notre guys Dame could have, like, right now, like, have Notre Dame t- for a championship, ACC championship, and then a semifinal game. Like, and, and assuming Clemson's in good health, like, give me that right now. I'll I will take bet, it. I will bet on
2: Clemson for the first time in my life.
1: Well, would you? Yeah, I guess. I uh, want I'll, them in the. Would You want them in the semis? I think they would put them at four. I think they'd find a way to bump OSU at eight and zero oh, up to three get our rematch in the Rose bowl. That'd be awesome. If
2: Clemson is uh, 11 and one and Notre Dame's 11 and one. And I say now. the difference between the two games is an overtime game and I don't know, three, seven points in regulation. How do you, how do you separate them between how do you two put one three. of those teams to four? Yeah. And Ohio state has played three less games.
0: Yeah. I mean, I don't think it'll happen. I think ultimately they, they will absolutely pause and they, they would love the, the Clemson OSU rematch. And that's, that's what you, that's what you'd get. But if I, as a Clemson fan, could have that. I'll take it right now. Sign me up. Yep. Two more, two more games, in Notre Dame. We well, let me spring. ask you guys, I,
1: I asked quacking tiger this, when I had him on last week, like, how are you scouting Alabama this year? In Ohio state this year. And we, we learned a lot in that Indiana game, right. About Justin Fields, where he's at, where Ohio state's uh, pass protection is at, where their secondary is at. Um, I much more welcome that matchup than Alabama.
2: Oh, Alabama is the scariest team out there right now, for sure. If you're Clemson. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: Coming in, it looked like the, at least the narratives were that Ohio state was probably the best team aside from, aside from Clemson. And it's clearly Alabama. And they're, they're probably the best team this season right now. Right, And Clemson would have that argument if they, I think, were healthy all year. But right now, clearly Alabama is the better team. And they're, they're the one we have to be concerned about most. And they're unanimous number one right now for a reason.
1: Yeah, their defense also was a liability early on in the first few weeks. And they've played lights out the yeah, past three or four so weeks. So was LSU's last year. I don't think their defense was ever that good their sec- <laughs> last year. They got LSU better. was, it was always their, the their secondary was,
2: and that was due to injuries. Yeah. You know, the same thing that Clemson's right. going through this year.
1: Yeah. I guess you are right. They were improving down the stretch. Um, I've kind of blacked out everything about the LSU team last year. So did I, but you know, no Orleans will do that to you. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's true um cool well yeah obviously uh the next few weeks they're gonna keep running out these rankings um lord i hope we play this week against pitt i don't think clemson's gonna be find a chance to move up until we play notre dame unless notre dame loses the unc that that kind of shakes up the snow globe a little bit just in terms of the scenarios we talked about but there's really no scenario where notre dame will not make the acc title game i just think that becomes an eliminator for the two acc teams into the playoff scenario mm-hmm
2: unless they really lay an egg and what we would have called pull, pulling a Clemson like 10 years ago. Yeah. They should yep. handle North Carolina this weekend. Um, Syracuse after that and the wake forest. Oh my
1: gosh. Yeah. And like style points, Ben, do matter. Like I wasn't thinking about that with Notre Dame. It's like you control your destiny, but you also want to control your destiny if you lose or you at least right. want to you exactly. know, you at least want to have a quality loss and a bunch of blowout wins. So well, that would, that uh, team's locked in now. They're like, oh shit, we beat Clemson. <laughs> we have <yeah>. a chance. <laughs> right. We're playing for something. So, yeah, I think uh, probably smart to look at AM and Notre Dame against the spread the next couple weeks. Cool. Well, uh, you guys got anything to say about Pitt? I mean, I, I think Pitt, Dabo's talked about them being a very aggressive, physical team. No surprise. That's always what you get with Pitt. They do have somewhat of a capable passer in their quarterback, Kenny Pickett this year. Um, But beyond that, this is a, this is a very comfortable Clemson win. I think it really is about what we're going to see. Like Ben, you made the point earlier, you'd much rather see Clemson get their bounce back game against Florida state than against a Pitt team, which Pitt's probably in like the upper upper third of the ACC at this point. A lot of people pick them to be like eight and one by this stretch and they're not, but, Um, yeah, Pitt is not a doormat, um, in this league right now. And I don't know, like when the dust settles, they probably will be like Clemson's third best team we've played this season. So, uh, should be an interesting game. I think we're looking to see, you know, what happens with that O-line from a personnel standpoint. Can Clemson get any sort of ground game going uh, between the tackles or otherwise? And what's the health look like at the receiver position? Those are going to be two things that I'm really looking for.
2: Don't take them lightly, man. Um, You know, we circled that game at the beginning of the season thinking it may be the second hardest. Um, They beat Virginia Tech last week handily with, like, 16 people down. Kenny Pickett's a really good quarterback. They're well coached. Um, They're going to be a tough team.
1: Yeah. You know, guys, I wish Dabo would focus on the coaching decisions in the game, too. While uh, after his rants, maybe he can focus on that.
0: Yeah, to give him some flack for some of the in-game coaching decisions, like, he definitely deserves that. Like, just some blunders that shouldn't happen. And a couple of them that he's – It happened all year, too. That's the thing, right? Yeah. I'm just, making,
1: I'm just making jokes. They've but
0: happened, yeah. happened throughout his tenure. You know what? He's he's not perfect. And I, I've been contending he needs he needs a, a guy or a gal. He needs, he needs an assistant, someone that, like, just – Another person to pick ideas off of and a nerd, things, you can a say nerd. It. Yeah, ideally a nerd, an analytics person. We got yeah, Tony Elliott. Yeah, but Tony
1: Elliott's in full command of the offense right now. You he, know, he's got to
0: figure out how to give uh, ETN the ball through the a gap, man. Like that's that's a tough. Uh, Dab-
2: Dabo pointed out today in his press conference that Travis Etienne is averaging more yards a game than he has his entire career, set like record for the most. Uh, yards a game in clemson history or something like that so uh he made a good point he's like teams are selling out to stop the run etn is still getting the ball and getting yards so yeah we're not running out yeah, of the, the middle game. but yeah, yeah but that counts it all counts
1: let's see a count against the superior athletic defense though i mean do you think we want to be against, versatile yeah do we
2: lose against notre dame if we have a a defense was was the offense the problem? no
1: we definitely don't lose against Notre Dame if we had any of the three starters that were out we also don't lose against Notre Dame if we had Trevor Lawrence like we were one play away from winning that effing game and any of those guys play I think we do it so you know Trenton Simpson tackle if that's Mike Jones Jr boom right there third down they have to punt um, Trevor Lawrence his running ability so I've talked about the Notre Dame game like four times on this show already <laughs> I'm done with it.
0: Yeah. We should have won. And it doesn't feel like it, but it's that point in the year where I look at our 16 schedule right now. We lost to Pitt. You you guys remember that. And it it just, like, there was a switch that was flipped on. And in 2018, I I need to see what game that was. It it was probably a couple games after Syracuse where we almost lost. Things just completely, like, it was a different team. And then they got into championship mode. Mm NC State. Could have been, no, that, I don't know. I'm not sure. But- no,
1: like after Pitt, at, or I'm sorry, after Syracuse, that was when Trevor lit the world on fire the rest of the way. And we didn't have, we didn't lose a game. We didn't win a game by less than 20 the rest of the way. I think we had like eight in a row, 20 point, or yeah, 20 point margin or victory after Syracuse. Um, so Cody, you're just talking about like flip a switch, get the fire lit. And that may have been what
0: we needed with Notre Dame and or the Florida State game, right? Right. And yeah, I look back at the 2018 season it was actually, the Syracuse game was super early that year. It was on the 29th of the September Third game. Yeah. And then from there it was just, it was a lot of bad ACC opponents, but it was clear. Like by the time we played Louisville, that was the one that stuck to me and it was 77 to 16. I'm like this team, I know that was a bad Louisville team, but this that was a great team. And uh, I don't know. We got to see that. We don't have much time left, but we have to see like the flawless performance I Miami was you. pretty
1: flawless other than special teams. Right.
0: I, I think so. I think you saw shades of it there. I tend to think we're going to be fine.
1: <laughs> You're right, Ben. I, I do think the goings on of the last three weeks were likely what Clemson needed as a team. I think probably even more, we didn't need the kick in the ass loss to Notre Dame because I don't think that is an emblematic of the whole team. But I think, I think you did need a moment like Florida state where the team could unify behind something and get together the way that the team unified behind a near loss to Cuse with Chase Bryce leading them back and the rest of the team showing up and then losing to Pitt. and everyone in that locker room, having felt the pain of losing in 2015 to Alabama. And then you have that pit thing, you get a shot at redemption. They didn't give it up. So yeah, let's hope that's the case here. Um, I know we've already beaten to death the narratives of health on this team that's not really in anyone's control, but, um, all the other stuff is, and yeah, you just, you just hope this team's able to build on that.
2: I think if we've, um, uh, we've become very comfortable, um, even as kids cycle in and out of the program, that the culture of the program and the coaches and everybody involved and the, the, the quality, uh, kids just got their heads squared on their shoulders. Like if the kids we bring bringing this program and everything combined, like Adversity is something that is easily overcome. It's not taking lightly, but they're not intimidated by it. And they often, um, when they get knocked back, you know, they take a bigger step forward. And I think we've seen that, we know that, we're comfortable with that. And I would expect to see more of the same this year. Listen, we have great leaders on this football team and we have a bunch of young kids, true freshmen that have came in and played a lot of significant minutes this year. And have grown because of that. You know, you see flashes here and there. We get setbacks with injuries. Okay. Don't use those excuses. We don't often. Um, but it just builds more depth. It builds more character. And I think we're going to come at it for the better because that's the way the culture of this program is set up, right? It's set up for kids to achieve in that manner and to be able to face um, these curveballs that life throws you and, um, and time and time again, they've proven that they overcome at the end of the day, the best team's going to, you know, the best team's going to win. And, and we're going to see that this year, but what we know is going to happen is we're going to get the best effort. Um, and we're going to be proud of it at the end of the day.
0: Yeah. For what we've, I mean, you know, that I am with you, Ben, like on the, like everything the program is, and how we overcome adversity and the, the character and, and that stuff. But just from a football standpoint, if we're just looking at it like that, like does this team, does it reach the 2018 peak, and like does it have that potential? I like right no now. In, prob- no, yeah, no team right in college now, football not. does either. What's that?
2: No team in college football does now either. Right? Nobody's talking about any of these teams.
0: Yeah, like, it's, it's not it's a just- powerhouse right now, which, which is kind of sad because I think if if you know injury luck is in our favor, and obviously there's no such thing as COVID. Um, then we might be in a completely different place, and it could be an all-time team. I don't know if we get there, but it's still it's still the same roster. We you know, Justin Foster may come back, XT may get back into shape and Trevor Lawrence and ETN are still there. So there's still a ceiling that we haven't gotten to, which is which kind of gets me excited.
2: Yeah, and we also have to remember to appreciate the fact that we have football this year, and these kids wanted to play so bad that they stuck with it you know, to fight any, despite any, um, you know, threats or, you know, to their health and all the uncertainty and everything going into it. Like we're just lucky to have football and it's been a weird year. It's been an unpredictable year. We knew that was going to happen, but at the end of the day, let's just be happy that we're getting to see the football on the field. And it's fun. It's fun to be able to talk about this. It's fun to not miss it during the fall. And we needed this like we all need this
0: right and it's it's, you're talking like a guy that's had a a near a a near death experience lately or are you okay is have you come down with COVID or something I almost got a deadly virus instead I got quarantined
2: (laughs) what are your symptoms um anger (laughs) anger uh well Well, they they say it really comes on strongest at night, and I've really been feeling that because when it gets nighttime, I get tired all of a sudden for some reason, and I want to go to sleep. (laughs) (laughs) That's crazy. I've never had that happen to me before. Yeah, I don't don't know. It comes out of nowhere. Um, No, I've been very fortunate um, that I've been asymptomatic. I've not had a hard time of it, and I know other people do. I have friends that have it right now um, that it's not going so well. Um, yeah, not a political thing. It's a a serious thing. People have lost people. And, you know, I'm lucky. I'm fortunate that we have football to talk about.
1: Well, uh, sticking with football, kind of last topic of the show today, Um, turns out that uh, defensive end, five-star, all-world recruit, basically a 100% composite player, uh, he's going to be coming to Clemson this weekend for the pick game. I think everyone remembers Corey Foreman decommitted um, in the spring mm-hmm. pre COVID stuff. Because, um, you know, just everyone also understands Clemson's got kind of a no visit policy with recruits. If you want to take visits, go ahead and don't even commit, but you can also decommit and or you should also decommit to go do your thing. But I think people were really out on Corey Foreman considering Clemson. Um, University of Southern Cal and even ASU have picked up steam. LSU was in the mix for a while. I don't know why you would go to LSU at this point, Um, although they haven't really seemed to have any of the uh, self-imposed, not sanctions, but, you know, self-imposed punishment or, you know, the latest allegations really catch up to Ed Orgeron yet. Uh, But anyway, you know, LSU's in the mix. But yeah, Clemson guys like Corey Foreman, what a shot in the arm that would be. They would make room in this class to fit him in. Um, And I talked with QT a little bit about recruiting, like there really isn't that, you know, top 10 national player on the recruiting class this year. We had a phenomenal year this past season, but um, this one would be huge. I'm not counting our chickens yet on this one, but what do you guys think?
2: So this is the kid that got the, the sleeve tattoo of the tiger and then decommitted. That
0: explains LSU. Well, um, Corey is like tigers, man. <laughs> did We're he really old. get a tiger tattoo? Wasn't it him? Big tiger King I, I'm too. not sure. I'm not well, sure. Well, it you was him. It was him. Substantiate
2: that. So. I'm not saying Corey, come on down. Love to have you.
0: I would say he, I, I did hear your episode, it was a good episode with QT uh, last week. And we do have some two good defensive ends uh, that are coming up but we don't have a miles Murphy. I mean, you don't get those very often, but what I, I just mean that you don't get a freshman ready player. That's going to make an impact and we definitely could use it. I don't know what's going to happen with Justin Foster and XT after this year. Um, it's not hundred percent that they'll come back. So yeah, to have they'll probably come back,
1: but I think so. I think they will. Um, both of them do sort of like the Mike Williams thing. Um, well, that will be, we talked about that with Justin Ross, but just in general to improve their draft stock. Um, yeah. I don't know where that would be for both of those guys without a dominant year preceding yeah. the draft.
0: I mean, they have a lot to sell Corey Forman. For even if he does come behind those guys, he's, he's a, a, in the two deep and he's playing back up his first season. And then he's going to be, you know, bookends with miles Murphy and then Brian mercy is going to be there along with Tyler Davis for at least a year of that with a couple other great uh, defensive linemen in the folds, like, you're not going to see a, a double team your whole career, your yeah. whole three-year career for Clemson. They have a lot to sell him. And I mean, your quarterback, we, you just saw a glimpse of your next, your next quarterback at Clemson. It's like, do you want to, you want to come win championships? They have a lot to sell him. Well, and it,
2: to his credit, I mean, he decommitted, but I think he's always still wanted to um, I mean, Clemson's always been high on his radar, strong interest. I think there's probably some people in his ear, maybe not wanting him. Um, to come across the country and come here but you know what you gotta give credit i mean think about trevor right 16 years old commits to clemson like think about these high school kids with like look at him who he is he's gonna be the number one nfl draft pick and to think about all the pressure that these kids have on them and yeah we may not be fans of their decisions we may think they make bad decisions we may be like oh that's immature blah blah, blah. what about the drama they're children um So, yeah, absolutely. Welcome him with open arms. Corey Foreman, he's one of the best players in the country. He's going to be a game changer for Clemson. And he's he's still always wanted to come here. And the coaches have kept in touch. Um, And there's always been that carrot dangling that he may come here. So, I mean, if you're
1: a Clemson fan, don't be butthurt that he decommitted from you
2: because that doesn't happen often.
1: Right. I'll tell you this, though, guys, devil's advocate – if you wanted to get a few more bucks out of those LSU or USC bag men, what better way to do that than take a trip, take a visit to Clemson?
0: Ooh. That's that's a game that I can't play or I can't speak to. But You, you really want to go to LSU right now? I, nope. I, yeah. I mean, I, I you know, that's a dark underbelly of college football i also think that we
2: sort we need to stop like thinking the worst of everybody i think there's nefarious motives and ulterior motives and yeah we know there's that shady thing this kid wants to play football
0: yeah and and we're gonna love him when he gets here well let's say that i let me give you like a hey it's it's about the money it's about nothing else cleveland farrell went number fourth in the draft i should pull up his monies from that he was not a he was not a top five player. I mean, he was a good player. He was probably a first rounder, definitely a top two rounder. He was not a fourth round pick, but that's just the advantage of coming to Clemson and playing with a loaded defensive line. Like you, you'll, you'll get a little bump, little Clemson bump, bump there. Maybe the Raiders will take you if they have a top pick. <laughs> they'll definitely take you. If <laughs> <laughs> you have a top 10 pick, they're going to take you.
1: Or they'll pick you up off the scrap heap. Exactly. <laughs> Either way. <Right>. <laughs> hey. <laughs> Okay. Right. Well, uh,
2: hey, got get Cleveland Vic on either side of the line, baby. It's huge.
1: Two of the best to ever do it. Trayvon Mullen um, just had an
2: interception this weekend in the red zone.
1: Well, Is you guys, he looks good. He does. Yeah. Hopefully, a future Pro Bowler. We'll see. Um, you guys got anything else to talk about? Ben, you plugged the Disney movie earlier, Safety coming out on Disney Plus. I was actually, I was at that game.
2: It's like one of the few games was... I've actually been to back in... Charlotte? Was it UNC back in
0: 2009? Or... No, no. I was at the
2: game where they filmed the the movie. <laughs> Come on
1: now. UNC Charlotte last year, 2019. That's when we play them. I think they just go by Charlotte now. I might be wrong. Was that UNC the Charlotte.
0: The UNC Charlotte, Ben? No, it
2: wasn't that game. I was pr- I'm pretty sure. I was at the game.
0: I, you know, I don't know how I feel, but I had a friend. I have a good friend he, he who uh, went to Florida... And uh, he's like, how do you feel about this new, uh, you know, movie? I'm like, like, I don't know. You know, I I don't like seeing uh, reenactments of like 28 year olds playing college football players and they're wearing like Clemson jerseys and that doesn't even look real. But uh, my
1: My problem with it, Cody, is number one, I'm worried it's going to be cheesy. But number two, right. Like, we hate Tommy Bowden and like they're going to try to position him as something he wasn't. And that's what I don't like. We don't really hate Tommy Bowden, but I think every Clemson fan's got like a little bit of an eye roll reaction when we see Tommy Bowden. And um, it's going to be interesting to see kind of how he's portrayed. But no, he did. I mean, the story of the movie is really inspiring and I think it's going to be, it's going to be good. Well, you remember it it sour for a while,
2: like the relationship sour when Ray Ray left Clemson, there was a souring, um, between him and um, uh, Dabo, right? Um, and so to see it come back full circle and for the story to be told, and uh, Farmar uh, was a big part. I was in school then, um, I remember that fondly. So I don't know, it's cool. It's great publicity for Clemson. Um, oh, yeah, I was there when they filmed it, they did it halftime. They like lined everybody up on the, on the hill. They had the fake team. Come in, and all of us stayed in the stands and cheered. Uh, that's cool. What other schools gave that? You know, this is like the second coming of Rudy.
1: Yeah, it's huge. It's invaluable <laughs> recruiting juice. I just think
0: Hunter Renfro deserves his own Disney film for what <laughs> he's accomplished. That's right. I'm down for that.
1: What would we call it, though? Oh, God,
0: Third in Renfro. That's right. No. There's some thrill
1: there. of the hunt the thrill of the hunt
0: <laughs> it's better than third and retro all
1: right well we better wrap there i don't think we got much much left uh thanks everyone for tuning in interesting episode to say the least um we hope to be back recapping an actual football game here soon knock on wood it'll be a week from now post pit uh, but thank you everyone for tuning in you know that the bye weeks are almost over Let's get, get some football going again. Uh, we'll be back after Pitt. We'll be back after Virginia Tech. We'll have a bye week. We might not have a bye week. We might play a football game. Um, I don't know, guys, like maybe let's take it back to that for just one last thing. You know, do you think Clemson should just pony up and go to Tallahassee and play that game? Or do you think don't play it if we don't need to? If we don't need to, don't do it.
2: It's another $300,000,
1: especially if you flip the bill. What if the ACC pays the bill?
2: If we
0: don't need the game, no, don't
1: do it. Where are you at, Cody?
0: Yeah, if you well, let's say you do need the game because that's the only thing that matters. If you don't need it, Dabo's not gonna play it. Um, but if you do need it, then you just you just play it. You, you go down there. You 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 foot the bill if you have to. And beat their ass. I don't know what else to, what else you can say. About well, I did mention
2: to you guys when it was going down on Saturday that Dabo should just cover the cost that'd be
1: that'd be pretty cool i mean he's got the money 10 million a year yeah right he can do it um i mean that's a way to it's a way to get the woke heads off your ass right cody yeah
0: they they do hate the the rich they do hate the rich and successful that's for sure
1: all right let's wrap there before we get into too much more trouble thanks everyone for tuning in and as always go tigers Of the actors from Safety followed us on Twitter, and like, I bet we could get him on the on the show. That'd be kind of cool. Although he he's the guy that played Jad Dean, so I don't fucking care about. Him. It's, it's probably like, Jad Dean. Can we get Ray, Mac- <laughs> Ray McElrathby, please? Or like, maybe dude, actor that played Tommy Bowden. But yeah I'll tell you, the guy that Jad played Jad, Jad Dean is Jad Dean. Yeah, <laughs> or the, if you could get Jad Dean, that would be better than the guy that played. Jad Dean. Oh, I, I would. I'll take it. I won't say no to anybody.